Hey, welcome to Saul. Uh, we love uh, doing ministry here at the University of Florida, and we love being a part of what God is doing, and we believe God's doing a incredible work here this year and excited that we all get to be a part of it. So we're going to keep doing that. I, I believe that there's more to come this semester and that God has things in store for your life that he wants to do this year and for the rest of your life. So as you know, at Salt Company, we like to sing songs about Jesus, and we like to open up the Bible, and that's what we're going to do tonight. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of James. Open up to the book of James. We're going through uh, kind of a series, just walking through the book of James, looking at the the different chapters, and uh, it's right after Hebrews. You'll need that if you've got a phone. If you need a phone, you can just, like, Google James. That usually works for me. You might find like your old friend on Facebook, James, but you want the Bible book, James, James chapter one. And tonight we're going to look at verses 19 through 26. And a little bit of context about the book of James and Josiah did a great job of opening the book uh, last week is that you'll find that James, the way he like he reads is he constantly and kind of repeatedly brings up themes or concerns that he's bringing up to this early church, these early followers of Jesus that have just started to follow Jesus and they've been scattered across uh, kind of the countries, the different cities, and he's writing to these people about different concerns that he has to them, addressing issues that they have that they need to deal with about following Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus. And some have uh, commentators have keyed in on this and kind of given James a theme about spiritual wholeness, of what does it look like to be whole spiritually in Christ? Where are the gaps that we have? Where are the holes that we have? What are the concerns that we need to have so that we can experience wholeness in our relationship with Christ? And uh, every time you read the book, it like brings up a new issue that he's bringing up, and it doesn't really flow like a like a thought progression that he's building on, but kind of just scattered, almost like the book of Proverbs, if you've ever read that. And what he's keying in on is that this Jesus, who has come and lived and died and rose again, and has empowered the church through the Holy Spirit and through his teachings, has completely changed James's life, and now he's writing to followers of Jesus showing how it should change their life. And he's talking about different concerns that they have. And Josiah even showed how following Jesus and life with Jesus changes the way that we look at what? Trials in our life. And today we're going to look at how Jesus, following Jesus and our life with Jesus, changes the way that we think about, uh, I'll title it like this, what we consume. The things that we consume and what we do with those things. And James is is telling us that we should not look like our culture. We should not look like UF. We should not look like Gainesville. What we should look like is Christ. And he'll bring up a bunch of different things throughout the rest of the book. But today he's going to talk about the things that we consume and what we do with them. I remember uh, coming home from class one day, like just famished. I'm a senior at this point, and I'm broke. And so you guys know this about me in my college life. I just didn't have a lot of money, and I was kind of gross, which leads me to the next part of this story. I walked into our house that we lived with six other dudes, and I remember, like, I I remember seeing on the table, I'm, like, super hungry. I don't have any food. Like, I had, like, a jar of peanut butter, kind of, but it was, like, crusty. And I remember seeing it as I'm, like, I'm coming home from class. I'm, like, oh, I'm just starving. It's the middle of the day. And I see it. It's a a taco 12-pack from two days before. And I thought to myself, this is the Lord's blessing on my life. <laughs> like he, like there's an oasis in the desert. 
you know, like the Lord has provided this thing. And I was like, and like as I'm like unwrapping it and probably like, I, I believe this is a blessing of what I'm about to consume. James is going to ask us to consider the things that we consume in our life and what we do with them. I'm going to come back to that point in a little bit. James chapter 1, verse 19. Are you there? You're going to want to look at this. James chapter 1, 19, and he's going to talk about the things that we consume and what we do with them. James chapter 1, verse 19. We're just going to kind of walk through some of these verses. You guys ready? Here we go. James writes, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. He even begins this little section here, reminding them who they are and their identity. And this is common in scripture, that this is just an identity reminder. They're what? Brothers and sisters. Were they actually related? Maybe, but probably not. These are people that have joined into a community, kind of like you are here. Look to the person to your left and right. You see those people? They've joined into a community kind of like this who are brothers and sisters, not because they're related, but because they have one thing in common, and that is this, that they are followers of Jesus Christ, that they have been adopted by faith, by God's grace through their faith, have been adopted into the family of God, and now everyone around them is in this family, and they're learning what does it look like to be a family of God and pursue Jesus to follow Jesus in this world. And so he calls them brothers and sisters, reminding them of their identity, that they have a faith community, kind of like this. And this is, this is like, oftentimes we can just breeze past this, or just, okay, brothers and sisters. But, like, understand what he's writing to. He's writing to a community, not individuals. Even in your life, following Jesus and, and the instructions to follow Jesus, you have to understand this. God has given you some gifts in this world to be able to follow him in this world, primarily being the Holy Spirit that leads you, guides you, gives you life, understanding, conviction. But he's also given you community. The people around you are not just fun friends that you hang out with on the weekend. These are like your lifeline. Without them, you cannot follow Jesus the way that you were meant to be. It's just impossible. God has put other people in your life to to help you, form you. Think about my D group, right? I was like, man, this is my group that helps us follow Jesus throughout the week, and we're leaning on each other. He's writing to a community, and he says this, and this is now he's writing to a community of their identity. He says, understand this. Keeps going in verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, because of this is the way that you should live, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger, to accomplish God's God's righteousness. So this is the way that you live. Therefore, because you should be living a certain way, 21, therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So James is specifically writing them, showing them how they should live. And and what he's bringing up in a concern with this community is saying, you should be slow to speak, slow to anger. You should live in a way that accomplishes righteousness. Now, the way that James talks about righteousness throughout his book is really just right living. If it sounds like a fancy word, when you see righteousness, just think right living before God and before other people. This is the right way to live according to God's standards. So James is saying, hey, this is what 
the way that you should live to accomplish right living with God and with each other. But right living, how you should live, like if you want to live this way, this actually determines the things that you should consume. That's why he says, therefore, if you should be doing these things, slow to speak, quick to listen, therefore, think about the things that you consume. So he says, rid yourself of filth. Now, back then, like, we would think, oh, man, like, what is going on? This? Think about this. They didn't even have iPhones back then. Imagine all the garbage you see on your phone these days. Like, they didn't even have that. Man, what would he say about our culture today? Filth. Evil. The same evil that was prevalent then is still prevalent now. We live in, and this is, you have to understand this because this is very countercultural. They'll say, oh, like mostly our world is good and culture is good. When the truth is, because of sin and disobedience between God and man, it has fractured our entire world. And so we live in a world that is evil. The days are evil. We live in a world that is broken by sin, and we're surrounded by it. And even here, and I say even here, especially here, on the college campus, it's like, man, we, we, sur- we are surrounded by a world that is broken, not the way that God created it. It's evil. And so you should rid yourself and what? Instead, he says, rid yourself of something and then what? Humbly accept or receive the implanted word. This is the thing that you should think about what you consume. Do not consume filth. Do not consume evil in your world, but rather humbly receive the implanted word. And if you do this, he says, which is able to save your souls. But hold up real quick. Because there's a question that I had while I was reading this, and maybe you had this too. He's talking about how you should live and how this determines what you consume, and this would even change who you are. It can save your soul. Is this how someone receives salvation? He just talked about the saving of your soul. Now, if you take his logic and say, is this how someone gets saved? By thinking about how they should live, determining what they consume, and that is the thing that changes who you are. Like by doing good things, like being slow to anger, slow to speak, not filling my life with too much garbage and accepting God's word and reading his Bible. Is this how someone gets saved? Yes and no. Here's what I mean. Who is James writing to? Yeah, it's the very first thing that we dealt with. Brothers and sisters. He's writing to a group of Jesus followers already that have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as their forgiveness, their atonement for sin. So before God, they have now been justified and stand righteous before God because of who Jesus is. He says this even in verse 18, if you look back. He says, you've been given new birth. In verse 19, he says, brothers and sisters. Later in verse uh, 21, he says, the word that has been implanted in you. The word that is in you. So James is telling Christians, not unbelievers, who have already received the word, that he's telling them that they need to humbly receive the word that saves, which is what? is the gospel. This is the word from God that brings about salvation. This is the news about Jesus who has fulfilled the law on your behalf and now offers you forgiveness and life and mercy 
an eternal relationship with him, solely by faith, solely by grace. It's an offer to you. And so he's telling Christians who believe the gospel that they should what? Receive the gospel. Sounds kind of confusing. But here's what's true about salvation. Here is what's true about the gospel. Number one, our life is made right with God in a single moment. You come humbly before Jesus and you ask him to just receive you and all of your sin and just say, Jesus, would you just forgive me? And guess what? In a single moment, Jesus will not hold it against you. He will not make you work for it. He will receive you into his arms. He will forgive you in an instant and make you right with God. That's what's necessary for salvation. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Romans 10 tells us, you will be saved. That's how it's saved. In a moment, everything changes. But here's what's also true, and you might know this. Any followers of Jesus in the room? Maybe you might, oh, there you go, raise your hand. (laughs) That's awesome. Everyone raise your hand. Yeah, no, uh, Here's what's also true, and you would know this, these people who awkwardly raised their hand. Though you are changed in a moment, everything about your life is changed in a moment when you come to Jesus, it's also true that it takes a lifetime to be made whole. In a moment, everything changes, but it takes a lifetime to be made whole. A commentator said this, thinking about this passage, James writes this to remind them that the word that has saved them cannot be dispensed after conversion. God plants it within his people, making it permanent, inseparable part of the believer, guiding them and commanding with his presence within. So here's to summarize that. Let me tell you this about the gospel. It is not something you do once. It is receiving grace and mercy from Jesus and his power through his spirit to live rightly towards God and man every day. This is a receiving of his grace and mercy that you don't deserve every single day. The gospel is, changes everything in a moment, but it is the gospel every day going to Jesus, receiving his mercy and grace to live the way that you were designed to live through his power that changes you in a lifetime. Everything in a moment is changed, but it also takes a lifetime with Jesus to be made changed, to be made whole. And some of you, this is true because Salt Company, we like to be a room that hopefully people can just come and check out what it looks like. Maybe you just don't know why we named it Salt Company or something weird, and you're like, I just wanna see what these weird people are about. Or maybe you were like, I want to check out church for the first time. And we desire this to be a place where we make room for people who are just wondering what Jesus is all about. And so when you hear about the gospel and how it changes your life, the truth is there are many people in here who have never received that good news. Because it is good news, but it's only good news to those who receive it. And a lot of you have not received that good news, and it's pretty evident in the way that you're living right now. And the fact that you're still going day to day looking for approval from someone else, looking for worth 
hoping to find someone who values you or trying to fill this appetite with joy and experiences and accolades and, oh man, if I could just get this next thing, then I would be happy. But here's the truth. I'm going to wait for that to pass. (laughs) Could be a minute. Here's the truth. Like if that's you, if you've never received the gospel, here's what is true. The gospel is good news for you. Like everything you've been looking for, everything you've been searching for, everything your heart has longed for, God knows what it is. He made you and he knows what you need. That's why he sent the only thing that could save you, which is his son, Jesus Christ, in your place to bring you back to him. And the good news is you don't have to search for approval anymore because he looks at you and he says, you're approved. Just come to me. Your appetite, I can fill it. I can be everything that you've ever desired. And guess what? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to get your life right before you come to him. You can just come to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. I want the life that you've offered. I want a relationship with the living God. And I just, I know I feel like I've blown it. Would you just accept me? And he would say, yes. This is the gospel. This is good news for you. He gives the invitation to all to come and receive eternal life through him. But here's what you also need to know about the gospel for every person in this room now is that it is much more than just a place with him when you die. The gospel is not like a ticket into heaven. It means, yes, you get an invitation with him, but the truth is you get an invitation right now to experience his presence to be with him continually and in his presence you can be made whole. He's inviting you not just into eternal life one day but to begin to experience eternal life now. And this is eternal life that you would know him. Jesus, the one who the Father sent. That's John 17. This is eternal life. Knowing Jesus and beginning to live the life that you were created for that can only be found with Jesus. So the invitation to follow Jesus starts right now, to journey with him, to experience wholeness. And here's here's where I'm going to bring it back to James. To experience wholeness, the salvation that James talks about, complete salvation, yes, in a moment, but also for the lifetime, being saved every day, we need to consider what we consume. My cousin was a, a lineman, uh, played, he was a football player, he was a lineman in college, and they made him have a strict regimen of what he eats. Like, they, like, made him eat, like, eight PB&Js for breakfast. It was crazy. They just slammed food into them. They counted his calories. He had to, like, make sure he was maintaining a certain weight and the right food to get bigger so that he could block people better and all this different things. And it's crazy because he, he got, like, massive. And he's... Like, the moment he quit football, it's like, he's like, oh, I'll just eat what I want. And he just, like, became this super skinny tall guy. And it's like, what happened to you? He had a vision for his life that he wanted to achieve, he wanted to become, he wanted to realize. And so he had to consider what he consumed. Me, I'm a little different. 
Because the vision for my life was on a random Tuesday coming back into my apartment or house, seeing a Taco 12 pack that was two days old. And I did not consider what I consumed. And so I thought, this is probably pretty gross and full of bacteria. I'll put it in the oven. (laughs) And it'll burn off the germs. Genuinely, that was my train of thought. And so I put them in the oven at 350 degrees, which was just, I hit the bake button. And I ate like six tacos that were two days old. And I can't describe to you the feeling, not of blessing, but of like genuine, like I've been cursed by God. Like I, I'm not kidding you that I, I, like, was writhing on the ground being like, I want to die. (laughs) And imagine if I just, like, imagine for a moment if I was, like, writhing on the ground. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me. Like, what's going on? Why is my life like this? Why Why am I not, like, receiving blessing right now? You would look at me and be like, you're an idiot. That's why you're not receiving blood. The reason you're cursed is because of what you just consumed. You imbecile. My, lo- my cousin had a, like a strict diet of what he consumed because he had a vision for what his life wanted to become. People around him encouraging of what he wanted to become. For me, I did not. For us, okay, let me bring it back to James. For who are in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, He's calling us that we have a vision of what we should become to accomplish righteousness, right living, to be like Christ. And he's telling us you need to consider the things that you consume. Humbly receive the implanted word is what he's saying. You need to consider, rid yourself of filth and evil that is around you. Consider the things that you are consuming. Let me me say it like this. Maybe like you're struggling and writhing in pain, not because you're going through a random season, but because you're deep in sin. Like, God, why am I sad and depressed and lonely? And maybe it's because the rhythms in your life are like, oh, I'm just going to go home and watch the new Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix and get no sleep. And I'm going to end my night by watching porn. And then I'm just going to just go to sleep. And you're like, I'm going through a season. No, you're in sin. And I know that hurts to to say. But here's the truth. We have to consider the things that we're consuming. And James is like, hey, you, you need to think about this. If you are in Christ, rid yourself of the filth around you. Because it's not going to bring blessing. Instead, humbly receive the word that has been implanted in you. And so he tells us there is a way for Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, to live a way where you will receive blessing. And you know how that is? Well, he tells us. Look at verse 21 or verse 22. He tells us how you receive blessing by humbly receiving the word that's implanted to you and how you can do that. Verse 22. But, so don't do that, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. 
deceiving yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Hearing and doing, the way that we walk in a blessed life to receive wholeness, to receive salvation, is to humbly receive the word. And he tells us, this is what it looks like to receive the word, by hearing it and doing it. Amos, my son, just turned one years old. Yeah, shout out. His, his birthday party is at One Love uh, Cafe Park this Sunday at 4.30. If you want to come, come on out. We're throwing a party for Amos. He's one years old. Like, congratulations, you made it. <laughs> Big deal. Um, here's what's really fun. Amos is, obviously, he's growing, he's living, and it's fun to see the things that he's beginning to do. Like, he's crawling really fast, and he looks like a sea turtle, like, Ah, you know, and he is just like, he's, he's also hearing the, thing, the words that we're saying and mimicking us. So like we tell him, he's like, oh, that's a tree. And now he says, yeah, tea, tea. Like he's, he's starting to get it. Now his favorite word is truck. He just says, tuck, 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 tuck. He, he wakes up just like chanting, tuck. And I'm like, what about dad, dad? He's like, tuck. Okay. He's, he's, he's both learning how to hear things and do things. Here's what he's not learning how to do. He's not learning how to do both of those things at the same time. Amos loves water, okay? And so he likes to do things with water. Amos knows how to hear the word no, okay? He understands what no means. We say no sternly, he'll start crying. He's very sensitive. But here's what Amos doesn't know how to do. He doesn't know how to hear and do most things. So when we don't see Amos and we hear splashing and laughing in the house, we know he's in the toilet, okay? <laughs> he's just splashing the toilet. And we yell, no. And he continues to laugh and splash in the toilet. Let me ask you this. If I just yell at him, no, and he hears it, understands it, comprehends that that's the word that we're saying, and does not stop, is that obedience? No. It's, I promise you, it's not. And so then, therefore, we have to discipline. Here, here's the truth. Just hearing is not obedience. Coming to salt on Thursday night is not obedience to Jesus Christ. Listening to sermons does not mean that you're obeying God. Reading your Bible does not mean that you're obeying God. And here's the truth. I, I, I can sense in this room sometimes like we know a lot of things about God and things that God has said. Maybe we're familiar with verses and they're in our Instagram bio or whatever. But according to James... There is a person who follows Jesus and gets blessed, and it's not the person who just knows what God says. It's not the person who's heard sermons. It's not the person that just shows up to church. It's not even the person who reads his Bible every day. There is a person who is blessed in life 
as he obeys God. You know who that person is? It's the person who hears the word and does it. Hearer and doer. The person who does not receive the word and hear it and does it does not receive this blessing, this wholeness, this salvation of being saved every day, like I'm walking with Jesus and being formed in his image. This person does not receive that blessing. Why? Verse 23, he tells us. Verse 23, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone who looks at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So James is saying if someone just hears the word, it's like someone who glances in a mirror and then goes away and forgets what he looks like. He forgets his identity, who he is. How many times have we listened to a message, feel like God has spoken to me, it's going to change my life, but then by the time Saturday comes around and it's the end of the third quarter and we're singing Tom Petty, we totally forget what the message was even about. We get into our normal rhythms and we've heard the word, but we've done nothing with it. We are like the person who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets who we were. Forgets the people that God has called us to be. So, to be blessed, kind of bringing us back in summary, the person who's blessed, the person who has wholeness in their life is someone who receives humbly the word that has been implanted in them, the word of the gospel, the word of God's spoken word through the scripture that points to Jesus. The person who receives it humbly. What does it look like to receive it humbly? Hearing and doing. So what does that look like in your life? Rightly hearing and doing. He tells us, verse 25, he points out three things that it looks like right in the verse. It says this, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. This person will be blessed. He gives us a picture of what hearing and doing is not like, and then he tells us what hearing and doing actually is. Looks intently, perseveres, and does. Let's kind of really quickly break those down. Okay, number one, looks intently into the perfect law of freedom. Think about how they're looking and what they're looking at. How are they looking? Intently, closely. Uh, My friend Saul uh, talks about it like this. They're not glancing at the word. They're gazing at it. You know the difference between a glance and a gaze? All right, that's how you know if a girl likes you or not, okay? She glances at you, looks away. She doesn't like you. She looks at you for more than like three seconds, like across the room. It's like, there might be some interest there, okay? Glance, gaze. He's saying, look intently, gaze at the perfect law of freedom. Listen, combing over each word of scripture, thinking that there is something here that God wants me to know, to feel, to do, that there's beauty to be had. Every word and every page of scripture, look intently. You're looking, like I'm just, I'm gazing, hoping that I find something. I'm not just glancing through on my phone on my way to class, okay? I'm gazing at it. And what are you gazing at? What are you looking intently at? The law of freedom. So many people in our culture 
when we think about the Bible, and I, and I get it because of the stigma about Christianity, they think about the Bible and they think list of rules, things that want to enslave me, a law that holds me captive. But the truth about the law and even how James is talking about it, he calls it what? The law of freedom. Let me ask you this. Is water captivity to a fish? Or is it freedom? Is freedom a life of no boundaries? I can do whatever I want. Go wherever I want. Sleep with whoever I want. Freedom. That's not freedom. You're enslaved to something. Someone. Someone else's approval. No, if I found a goldfish and said, I'm going to free him, and I took him out of the bowl and threw him on the sidewalk in front of you and said, freedom. You would look at me and be like, you just killed that goldfish. Like, no, I set it free. We often think freedom means no restrictions, no rules. That's not freedom, that's death. What Jesus offers us is freedom. It's a life yoked to him. He says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Come, follow me. Jesus doesn't offer us slavery. He offers us freedom. So he's saying, look at the law of freedom. Look at the person of Jesus Christ. Number two, perseveres in it. So the person who hears the word and does it is someone who perseveres. It doesn't stop when your Bible closes. You persevere. You continue. You take the word with you. You take, like, take your son to take your son to work day, it's like every day is like take the word to class day, okay? You're bringing it side by side with you. And you're, you're asking the word, what do you think about today? What do you think about this person? You're not just going through your day and being like, oh, Bible time was over there. Now it's just class time, game time, tailgate time. It's no, you're bringing it with you. It's persevering. It's continuing with it. It's not like a, the Bible is not like a multivitamin you take in the morning so that you stay healthy. It's like an insulin pump that is with you all of the time, giving you the very thing that's gonna give you life. You gotta start treating it like it's like, oh, like it's just something I glance at. We gotta persevere in this. All right, number three, someone who does it. Number three, he says, the person who hears the word and does it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. Puts it into practice. I think oftentimes this is where we drop the ball. We think that hearing another thing, hearing more content, the next podcast, the next small group, the next Bible study, the next song we hear is gonna be the thing that changes our life. When James is saying the thing that you need to do is to hear the word and then just try and do it. So maybe, maybe it's this. Maybe the person who is obedient isn't the person who knows a thousand Bible verses and does none of them, but knows one Bible verse and does that. Because he's someone who hears the word and tries to obey it. And I just wanna encourage some of you like, who are like new and following Jesus, it is not about perfection. If it's, you've heard this saying, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing what? Here's the truth about following Jesus. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. That sounds weird, but here's what I'm saying. You hear God's word 
tell you to be a light and salt to the people around you. And you're like, I don't know how to share the gospel. And I don't know how to like walk them through a bridge. I don't know how to disciple them. And I, don't, I, I just need to learn more. No. Hear the word and do it. Just try. Try to be salt. Invite them to salt. Ask them how their day is going. Talk to your roommate about what Jesus has done in your life. This is someone who hears the word and tries to do it. It's not being perfect. That's not the point. It's about being perfected into the image of Christ. And that is how we do it, by hearing the word and trying and failing and receiving grace and him encouraging us and empowering us to continue to go on. John Wesley, uh, and I'll kind of end with this quote. Actually, no, I'll skip that. Here's how how I want to close. And we're going to give you some content in your connection groups to kind of like live this out, ways that you can be hearers and doers of the word. So we're going to give you some content in your connection groups this week. So I'm going to skip that portion. And here's how I actually want to land with us tonight. What happens if we do this? If you, if you genuinely, if this room right now began to hear from God through the scriptures about what he wanted for our life and we actually began, listen with me, I know this is a crazy thought, we actually began to try to do it. Like what if we, we heard the verses that we read in our Bible and we began to try to live those out with our classmates? with our roommates, with our friends, with our parents, and we just tried and we asked God for help along the way. What would happen if we would do that? I think verse 26 tells us, and this is how I'm gonna close, the end of this chapter in James. It says this, if anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay, here's what I think this means. If anyone thinks he's worshiping God and hearing from God, but not trying to put it into action and let it transform their life, their worship of God is useless. It's James' words, not me. Don't get mad at me. You know what worship looks like? It looks like when orphans and widows are taken care of. When those who are in distress are comforted. But it's not just the brokenness in the world that we see that God cares about and we are now doing it. We hear from God, now we do it. It's not just the brokenness in the world, it's the brokenness in our heart. Look at how he ends this. to keep oneself unstained from the world. God calls us to hear what he says about those who are broken, but he also calls us to do something about it. So we go to those who are broken, but we also address the brokenness in us. So we posture ourselves in a position to humbly receive the word through the Holy Spirit. And we start seeing people cared for, gossip turn to encouragement in our life. Right before we are about to say something that's gonna tear them down behind their back, we feel God calling us to put into practice the words he's told us to, to take every thought captive. And so we do. And instead, we breathe out encouragement. Greed turns to generosity. 
we begin to give to release control. Porn addictions turn into to purity. How? Because we are putting into practice the things. We are becoming transformed people that are sent into the world to transform people. Everyone says uh, Amos looks like Mary Stewart. It's true. And he's lucky for that. But this past Sunday, someone came up to me and goes, you know what? Amos is starting to kind of look like you. That's bad news for him. But it made my heart really happy. Because there's something in me that's like, yes, like, that's my son. And there's something like in me that's actually being reflected in him. And here's what I wonder what's true about God. If he looks at you, and as you are just hearing and receiving the word and trying to put it into action, that he's not bummed or disappointed in you, but he's like, yes, they're beginning to look like me. They're, they're becoming the very thing that they are, my child. And so every day as we are consuming humbly receiving the word of God and trying to put it into action every day, we are becoming the very thing that we already are, the righteousness of God. Because he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight that we just get to hear your word. I pray that this continues every Thursday night, that we just open up your Bible and God, that you speak to us and you convict us. But God, I pray that it does not fall on deaf ears. God, I pray that the word that you speak through your word, God, it would convict us and it would challenge us to yes, change the way that we think and it would change the way that we live and we would stop consuming sin in our life, but we begin to consume the very life-giving words from the Father and the people around us begin to notice a transformed life in us because your spirit is empowering us to change. And Father, I pray that it would just begin to change our campus. People would come to know you, come to know your grace because they see the grace that is in us. Father, I just pray this. Would you do it? Would you help us be hearers and doers of your word? Jesus' name, amen.